thank God for his goodness in bringing us this far, for keeping us, and kept us in our right mind. We came into the house of the Lord tonight, and so we are in our right mind. Amen. We're thankful for his goodness and mercy. God has certainly been good to us. He has been good to us. Better to us than we are to ourselves. <laughs> what a God we serve, right? Because we love some self. And he's better to us than we are to ourselves. If we love some self, hallelujah. Amen. Well, let's stand. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. Um, quick announcement. I think you know by now that Sunday we, I don't know if I'm going to make this work tonight. I hope it works. Sorry. I don't know. We'll see. Sunday, um, we announced that our watch night service will start at 9 p.m., but since then we've changed it to 10 p.m. So I hope that news have circulated and everyone know it's 10 p.m. as opposed to 9 p.m. Amen. So make a note of it. Um, pass the word around. Inform everyone that needs to know that our watch night service is at 10 p.m. As opposed to 9 p.m. Um, Want to get you in and get you out. And for those of you, I won't say anything um, other than challenging. For those of you that are soldiers in the army of the Lord, I'll see you back at 1030 a.m. Sunday morning. If you're not a soldier, I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> You're not a soldier? I understand. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> there you go. I like that one. If you're not a soldier, you're a cadet. And so you will be home Sunday morning while we are enjoying the presence of the Lord. But I challenge you to be here. I don't know. Some of it may be personality. Some of it could be very well that, you know, that's just how I see the Lord. But I never turn down a good challenge. And um, before I was saved, I didn't mind a challenge. And now that I am, I'm even more encouraged to take on a challenge because, you know, as I tell you over and over, I ran for the devil for many years. And um, I want to make sure I run for Jesus more than I ran for Satan. So it's nothing but a thing to um, be out of here, what, 1215 and come back at 1030. I can handle that. Hope you can. But we'll have a good time. And I see some soldiers are here tonight. Amen. You're here for Thursday night Bible study. Right? Right. I, I appreciate you being here tonight. Um, let's go before the Lord in prayer and just ask him to help us in our um, Bible study tonight. I feel very strongly that um, our Bible study tonight, our message um, New Year's Eve night and the message New Year's Day Sunday morning at 1030 will kind of set the tone for how our year of 2023 will be. I believe this is the direction that God is directing us in for 2023. So if you can take from the message tonight, which you will hear more about this 
um, I think we'll be teaching on the main theme of my lesson tonight, um, midweek Bible studies, and then you will hear um, New Year's um, Eve night, you will hear a word that will really, really challenge you, and then Sunday morning, you will hear a word that we will have to repeat throughout the year. It will be a word that every time we come together, we will repeat what God is challenging us to do. So let's go before the Lord and ask him for his will to be done. Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your love. We're so thankful that we can come together one more time. We're gathered together, Lord Jesus, to learn of you. Oh God, to worship you, to adore you, and just to have sweet communion with you. We thank you, Lord, for the gathering of the body of Christ tonight as we humble ourselves before you. We ask, oh God, that you'll search our heart and know our ways, search our mind and know our thoughts. If there be any wicked way in us, lead us, Lord, to the everlasting. For God, we've come humbly before you, surrendering all to you, asking, almighty God, that our hearts will be pure and that our mind will be clear. And that, Lord God, as you speak, we can respond in obedience and in faith. Speak to our hearts, will you, Lord? Help us tonight to receive and respond to the word of God according to your will. I pray for the saints of God tonight that you will, oh God, touch our hearts, that our hearts will be open to the word and to the, the spirit of God moving upon us and that you will allow me, Lord God, to speak as your oracle. Place me, O oh God, in the flow of your spirit to rightly divide the word of truth. I pray tonight your kingdom come and your will be done. O oh God, we ask that tonight as we are gathered here tonight uh, that you will put an expectation even now in our heart, Lord God, that, Lord, we will not look around for who is hearing and who is not hearing, who is here, but, God, that we will look to you to say, will you do something in me? Will you help me tonight uh, to have an experience with you, uh, to receive from you what you will have for me to receive uh, and to be able Lord God, to be moved by your power and to be transformed by the word and the spirit of God. Lord, have your way tonight. Let your Holy Spirit, Lord, move upon us, O God, in a supernatural way, in a miraculous way. Let the Holy Ghost, O God, move upon us and let the glory of the Lord be revealed in this place tonight. I ask for your will to be done. I ask that you will help us tonight. And allow us, Lord Jesus, uh, to truly have an encounter with you. Uh, we give you all of the praise and uh, all of the honor. We bless your name, almighty God. The Lord is good. Your mercy everlasting uh, and your truth endure it uh, to all generations. Uh, Lord, we give you the praise and the honor as we bless your name. Uh, in the name of Jesus, we thank you tonight. Uh, we bless your name tonight. Uh, you are worthy of all the praise and all the honor, Lord. Glory be to God. Glory, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. Come on, clap your hands one more time unto the Lord.
Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to talk to you tonight, teach, preach a little bit on this topic. Know your target. Know your target. Mm -hmm. The teachings, the preachings, the instructions in the word of God, I can promise you for the next three services are going to be clear. They're going to be instructional and they're going to give us marching orders. Know your target. Many of us lack clarity of purpose in our Christian life. We do not have a clearly defined target we're trying to hit. Occasionally, we happen to hit the target, but not because we aimed for the target, rather because we stumbled upon the target. This is not the way the Lord designed for things to be in our life. We should live our lives with defined purpose. We should function in our God-given call with clarity of purpose. We should be focused on our purpose that trivial things are no longer able to, de to detour us around what really matters most. Listen to this. I was once told of a solution, a group of ministers generated when addressing what to do about the dwindling crowds of a church rally. I don't know if you know, but years ago, and this is not specifically to us, but years ago we used to have what you call Holy Ghost rally within our district. Uh, once a month or once every other month, churches got together and we will get together at some church's location and we will have service together, worship together, um, with the intent that people will get to experience the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And also it was good for fellowship and people were able to come together and worship together that were from different congregations. And so when I heard of this story, I said, I need to mention this. And so there was these group of ministers that, that they came up um, with, they generated a solution for the dwindling crowds of the rallies that they have frequently. The rally, obviously like the ones we had, are a fellowship event. They're an event in which several churches get together to worship together. And so the crowd is dwindling from those rallies that they're having. Here is what their solution was to combat the dwindling crowd. 
the solution they came up with was to hold the services in a smaller sized church building so the crowd would no longer appear to be small. So the group is dwindling and they thought the best solution to remedy the, the, the groups, the group dwindling is just to have the rally in a smaller place. That didn't change the group dwindling. They were just in a smaller venue. No one bothered to identify the reason for the dwindling crowds. Consider the purpose of the rallies or determine if the underlying purpose of the rallies was being fulfilled through other venues. Were they focused on their target and were they hitting their target? So they didn't begin to ask the pertinent questions that were vital as to why the rallies were dwindling, the attendance. The failure to ask the right question resulted in a solution that did nothing to address the real issue at hand. I hope in the next few weeks and throughout the year, I will help our congregation to be focused on the right target. And not just, as old timers like to say, come together just to have church. Believe it or not, you will probably not recognize, but if you will pay some attention to it, you will realize that a lot of great saints of God just want to gather together to have church. And then when they get bored with the whole tradition of having church, then they start to say, well, you know, this is not going right. That's not being done. That's not being done. But what it really comes down to is the church have decided we have come together to have church, but not to address what the real target is. Mm-hmm. Taking aim at the right target is important. Failure to do so is a waste. Yet for some, the only thing that seems to matter is just doing something as if doing something will somehow produce the right thing. Activity does not mean we're accomplishing anything. You can be active and not be accomplishing anything. Somebody say amen. So we're not going to be a church that's just active. We're not going to just be a church that's doing things. We're going to be a church that will know our target, aim for our target, and hit our target. While we define, well, let me back up here. We lack a clear understanding of our purpose and not aiming to hit their target. I will go a step further and say many of us have not identified what the Lord Jesus says success is for the saints of God. 
Have you ever stopped and asked yourself, what does God consider to be success pertaining to me? Everything in life, we're able to measure if we're doing what we're supposed to do. Whatever it is that exists in life and you can't measure what you are supposed to do, then maybe you aren't supposed to be doing that. But most things in our life, we are able to measure that what we're doing is either successful or non-successful. And so the question that we ought to ask ourselves as saints of God is this. What is success for me as a Christian? Forget about the church now. Well, you are part of the church. But, but just ask yourself, what does success look like for me as a Christian according to what God says? How do we know we're one day going to make it to heaven? How can we guarantee that we will get to heaven when we don't really know what is the target, what is considered success? We're just existing and doing some actions and going through some, 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 some of the motion of what we think we're supposed to do, but are we measuring what is considered to the Lord that is success? Are we measuring, are we hitting our target every time we aim for it? Or we're just doing what we've seen people do. We're, you know, we, we hear a little bit of scripture and we said, all right. And, you know, we just do what it looks like to be a Christian or what we think it, sh it should look like to be a Christian. But we're not asking ourselves, am I a successful Christian? Am I hitting my target? What God says and requires of me, am I doing that or am I just showing up whenever I can and doing a little bit of this here and a little bit of that there? What am I doing? And if I die today and I have to go before the Lord, what can I say I have done that warrant me going to heaven? While we define success based on numbers. Help me, Holy Ghost. Jesus defines success based on doing the will of the Father. Our view of success leads us to becoming enamored with crowds. Jesus' view of success led him to the cross. Hmm. Although Jesus drew large crowds, his ministry was not centered on the multitude of people who followed him. Yes, he spoke to crowds. Yes, he ministered to crowds. Yes, he fed the crowds and had compassion on crowds. However, his focus of ministry was not on crowds. On the contrary, Jesus spent the majority of his time ministering to individuals. Jesus spent the majority of his time ministering to individuals the crowd was a byproduct of the miraculous that took place in the lives of the individuals jesus touched remember zacchaeus there was a crowd but jesus went to zacchaeus house and ministered to zacchaeus remember cornelius 
Cornelius had his whole family there and he was ready to hear what God had to say. And when Peter and the rest of the apostles, some of the other apostles showed up, Peter ministered unto Cornelius and then eventually the crowd was blessed. But if we look at ministry, the way ministry was designed by the almighty God, ministry is about ministering to people, not crowds. But we have taken on what we now call the tradition of wherever the crowd is, that's where success is. And so we might have had our, our view of success, our, our understanding of success may be twisted. You ever heard the, 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 the terminology, a lake model versus a river model? A lake model versus a river model. Our definition of success has resulted in a faulty model for doing church. We should be viewing the church from a river model perspective, but we tend to view it from a lake model perspective. What does that mean, preacher? A lake model ministry focuses on how many people we can get into the lake. For example, a lake model ministry gauges the success of a Christmas drama on the number of people who saw the drama. If a large number of people attended, it was a success. If a less then expected crowds show up, the drama would be seen as a failure. Likewise, if a prayer meeting is largely attended, it is deemed to be a success. If not, it is a failure. The point is, success is determined by the number of attendees, not by what happened to those who participated or who attended. What I hope to do when we move into the new year is to get us to be affected by what's happening that God is doing, not by us showing up. Because we have got to the place where we think showing up is just good. Showing up is really the, 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 what we're supposed to do. And when we show up, that's what's important. But can I tell you tonight, if you follow Jesus' model, showing up is not good enough. A lot of people showed up, but the people that reached for Jesus, the lady with the issue of blood, Zacchaeus, and so many, the blind men, I'm telling you, Jesus is interested in people, not just who show up. He's interested in people that says, I want something to happen to me when I show up and I'm going to reach for the Lord so something can happen to me. And I promise you, I promise you, I will do a better job as we move into 2023 to lead this church where every time we get together, something has to happen. It won't be we just show up and be satisfied because we showed up. It will be we showed up and something happened. And that's how we know we had a great time in church because something happened, not because we showed up. A river model is focused on the development of growth of others. I said this to you some time ago. I realize I can do a better job. 
And so that's me. I'll work on doing a better job. But I'm going to challenge you. A lot of Christians don't want to grow. Many Christians are content being a member of a church, connected to the church, have a pastor that they can say that's their pastor, and on and on and on, but don't, I don't want to grow. Because growth will cause some inconvenience. Growth will make me uncomfortable. Growth will mess up my schedule. And so there's a lot of Christians that don't want to grow. They just want to be affiliated. And for church, I am surely, I will not tell you a lie. But I've always believed in growth. I'm always going to tell you about growth. But if you don't want to grow, there's nothing I can do about it. And I hope as we move into 2023, this church will be a whole bunch of people that are saying, I want to grow because I want to fulfill God's will for my life. When you go swimming in a river, you always get out somewhere down the road in the river. When you go swimming in the lake, wherever you get in is where you got is where you get out. Lake view mentality and river. In a river model, the success of a Christmas drama is not determined by what happened. The, the success is determined by what happened in the lives of the people who attended the drama, not how many people attended the drama. Same thing in a prayer meeting. Success is not about how many people showed up for our corporate prayer. It's not about how many people showed up for our prayer breakfast, but it's when the people showed up and they prayed. Did they touch heaven? Did the power of the Holy Ghost move? Did they experience the supernatural? Or are we worried about the numbers? And church, I pray that as we move into a new year, we will not worry about the numbers. We will worry about what happens when we come together and we do the will of God. What happened to us? In the river model, unlike the lake model, success of the prayer meeting is what happened in the prayer meeting. Was there fervent prayer offered? Did we pray fervently? Did we pray earnestly? Did we get involved? Or did we just stand on the side, sit down, and we were spectators? A lake model for doing church Focuses, listen to me, because we made a calendar for 2023, like many churches made a calendar for 2023. So I don't have a problem with making a calendar, but we have to be careful and ask ourselves, why did we make the calendar? A late model for doing church focuses on events and programs that encourage people to get in the lake and stay in the lake. 
which means making a calendar could be a late model mentality. Let's make these, these events and let's do these events so we can all come together and we can all be together and we don't consider when we come together, what do we do when we come together? Are we just coming together to fill a calendar, to, to, to attend an event, or we're coming together because this event was prayed for, fast for, this event was set forward because we expect for something to happen when we attend this event. That's where we're going in 2023. We want something to happen. We're not just saying, oh, this is on the schedule, so let's do this. In contrast, a river model focuses on process that help people to change. I told you, a lot of Christians don't want to change. There's going to be people in the church that says, leave me alone. I just want to hear a good word. Leave me alone. I just want to want my conscience to feel good that I attended church service. Leave me alone. I just want to be affiliated. I don't want to get into all that because remember I told you there are people that believe that you've got different levels of Christians. You got the A Christians. You got the B Christians. You got the C minus, the C plus. You got the D and then you got those that are D minus and those that are just failures. There are people that they might not even communicate it out of their mind that way, but that's how they see church and Christianity. So when they look at you, they're saying, listen, you're just going overboard, bro. Yeah, you're going too far. Yeah, all that ain't necessary. That's what you're saying when you say, I'm an A Christian, B Christian, C Christian. When you begin to say what they're doing Ah, all that not necessary. What you're saying is, okay, they might be a Christian because they're doing everything. I'll settle on being a B Christian because I ain't doing all that. And people are living for God like that. That's what I'm talking about. Know your target tonight. That's what I'm talking about. Know your target because too many people have become Christians and don't know what they should be aiming for. Too many people have become Christians and don't understand what is their purpose or what, does, what, what God wants from them. A lot of people are living for God and don't understand that. And I will probably sound redundant and continue to say the same things over and over because I need for us to get it. I don't want us to be an aimless Christian. I don't want us to be a Christian living without aim and without a target and without meaning. That's not what why that's not why we're we, we're supposed to be living for God. We need to be on target. We need to have purpose. We need to always expect for God to show up and do something wherever he calls a meeting. I don't know about you, but go read the scripture. Where did you find Jesus showing up and nothing happened? Help us, Holy Ghost. Jesus' success was not defined by the size of crowd. He was able to draw. Jesus always drew crowds, but he never said, look at the ministry that I have garnered because look at all the people that's following me. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and he said, it is finished, what do you think he was talking about? 
When Jesus said it is finished on the cross, what he was saying is, I have done the will of the Father. Not that I was drawing a whole bunch of people or there was a whole lot of crowd. He came with a mission. He came with a purpose and he fulfilled it. And when he hung his head on the cross and said, it is finished, he was saying, I fulfill the mission that I came to the earth to fulfill. That's what he was saying. I told you, nobody's in heaven. Nobody. I don't care how great they was. T.F. Tinney, not in heaven. Johnny James, not in heaven. G.A. Mangan, not in heaven. Because God is so just that we all that's supposed to be there going to get there at the same time. Nobody gets there ahead of nobody. They died in the presence of God they are today. They are waiting for that day when the rapture comes and their body will change and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. Then we will all go to heaven to be with the Lord. Nobody's in heaven but almighty God whose name is Jesus. He's the only one qualified to tell us how to get there. Because nobody else went. So if he's the only one that went, he's the only one that knows how to tell us how to get there. That's who we need to listen to. That's who we need to take our instructions from to know what it takes to get to heaven. And we have a clear understanding that he came on a mission. And when that mission was completed, he said, it is finished. He fed 5,000. He raised the dead. I mean, he did all kinds of things. But it's interesting. He never said, look all the stuff that I did. He said, it's finished. The mission, the purpose, the target that I was aiming for, it is, it is finished. So we have to realize that if that's how he considered his job to be a success, is to finish. The Apostle Paul said the same thing. I finished my course. So there's somebody else that says, the God that I serve, he said it was finished. So I guess that's what it means to be successful as a Christian is to finish my course, is to finish my purpose, is to do what I was supposed to do. It is finished. And so the question to all of us, include me here tonight, are we going to be able to say when, I, when we draw a last breath, it is finished? Or are we going to be hoping that we make it in? In Matthew 25, verse 20, I'm going to give you the answer to, the, to, the, to, to what I'm talking about here tonight. The Bible says in Matthew 25, verse 20, And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, 
I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanger, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which had ten talents, for Unto every one that had shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that had not shall be taken away even that which he had. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A lot of thoughts go through your mind in reading that text. But I'm going to simplify that text for you. In Matthew, where we just read, Jesus shared a parable in which a master gave one servant five talents, another two talents, and a third one talent. The one who received five talents went and traded with them and five more talents, got five more talents. The one who received two talents acquired two more, but the one who received one talent did nothing. When the master returned, he examined the efforts of his servant. We missed that. We, we get caught up in the talent part. But I want you to watch this today. The effort was what Jesus' main concern or his master's main concern was. The effort to the servant who started with five talents and acquired five additional talents, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. To the servant who had received two talents and had acquired two additional talents, the master said the same thing. Both men were successful because of their faithfulness. Not because of the number of their talents. Remember, one talent, two talents, five talents. Get your eyes off the talents. Jesus is way of looking at things is were you faithful to what you were given and that's what we need to pay attention to that is the target that God has set before us the target of faithfulness that's the target faithfulness if we are not faithful God will not say well done Good and faithful servant. If you're not faithful, God is not a liar. He can't call you faithful. And to me, according to the scripture, it looked like those who have completed their purpose, who was faithful over their purpose, is who God says enter into the joy of the Lord. We need to reevaluate how we're living for God. Because we have told ourselves or believe in some way that as long as, especially us apostolic, as long as I know there's one God and I repented of my sins and I was baptized in Jesus' name and I was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and I speak with tongues and I don't do what I used to do, as long as that's the case, I know I'm going to heaven. I beg to differ. 
faithfulness. You can be, you can know there's one God. You can be baptized in Jesus' name. You can be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and talk in tongues like a Chinaman. But the bottom line is this. If you're not faithful, you will not make it in. Faithfulness. That's the target. Faithfulness is the target. I was talking to my uh, goddaughter, and she made me think of something, and I said, ooh, I can insert that into my message tonight. You can have talent. You can be gifted. And I'm not talking about the late mentality, but I'm telling you about the other aspects of faithfulness. You can be talented. You can be gifted. All of that stuff. But if you have too many absenteeism, they, they fail students, Brother Kellerman. Whether you're in college or you're in regular school, middle school, high school, you can have good grades. But if you miss too many times, if you're absent too many times from class, you automatically fail. Ooh. Oh, but that ain't God, brother. I hear you. But I will say this. I think there's a principle there that when you're faithful, you show up to class. When you're faithful, you attend class. Professor will not give you the benefit of the doubt when you don't show up. Professor Jesus, that is. Because it does not demonstrate faithfulness. Listen, I am not trying to lead a late mentality church. So I am not here to convince you to come to church, come to church, come to church. Because that's not what I'm trying to do. I am trying to, co- I'm trying to communicate to you that the target that all of us should be aiming for is faithfulness. But, 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 but attendance is incorporated in faithfulness. You can't be faithful if you're not present. That, that goes against being faithful. I am just trying to communicate the target according to the Lord. If the servant who had received one talent had been faithful with what he had been entrusted with, he too would have been successful. However, because his lack of faithfulness, he was considered a failure. I remember the first time reading this text, I said to myself, man, God, you do seem like a hard man. What was wrong with that? Because here is my mentality, brother Izzy. He was so trying to safeguard what he was given. That's why he went and dug a hole and put the thing in the hole, the talent in the hole, the money there, because he wanted to safeguard it. He didn't want to lose it. He didn't want anything to happen to it. And I'm like, God, how are you coming so hard on him? 20-something years later, he wasn't faithful. He wasn't faithful. That's why God was like that. Because faithfulness is the target. 
we can talk about our calling. We can talk about our purpose. And surely we'll get into that as we go further. But no matter what your calling is, no matter what your purpose is, are you going to be faithful to it? You see what I'm saying? So that's why faithfulness becomes the target. Are you faithful to God? And when you're faithful to him, you don't have a choice but to be successful because God is the one that works in you. It is God that works in us that causes us to accomplish anything. So you don't need to have a whole lot of talent. You don't need to be gifted. You don't need to have great education. You don't need all of this stuff to be faithful. What they say, it don't take talent to be on time. It don't take talent to have manners and respect. There's certain things in life that is valuable that it don't take a bit of talent to do it. Not one bit of talent. But yet and still, we don't do it. That's considered unfaithful. Success had nothing to do with the number of talents. It had everything to do with faithfulness. When you read that scripture again with those talents, make sure that's what is in your heart and in your mind when you're done reading it. You can go on and study some other things from it, but I want you to understand the initial thought within those texts, within that scripture is supposed to be faithfulness. What are you doing with what God has given you? Have you been faithful to God with what he has given you? That's what it's coming down to. Can I tell you this? Because I love you. Most preachers, most of them, I say most of them, are fulfilling their purpose. They're being faithful. Are you going to sit there and let this preacher do his thing, being faithful, preaching his way to heaven, and you just chill out and not be faithful and you lose out? Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't let that happen to you. Don't, don't show up at, at, at church service, just keep showing up and not taking what God has given you and be faithful with it. Because normally, normally, not all the time, the person that God is using to instruct you in what needs to be done, they're probably walking in their calling and trying to be faithful in their calling. So if that person that's ministering to you is probably walking in their calling and being faithful in ministering to you, why don't you do the same? Because that's another example that obviously we have Jesus as the greatest example, but we can also look at people that God is using to say, that's an example of someone that's faithful. I got to be faithful. We need to redefine success. Success in ministry has little to do with numbers and everything to do with faithfulness. Remember what I said now. Jesus drew crowds everywhere he went, but he didn't allow the crowd to be what defined his success. This church might grow great, large, big crowds, but mark this down in your calendar just like I'm marking down on mine. 
that will never make me think we're successful. Mark it down and bring it back to me. If I ever get out of line and think any way different and you hear me, just come and say, Pastor, I thought you said the crowd didn't determine if we were successful or not. Because I'm telling you, the crowd should not and will not determine if this church is successful. What I hope that will determine this church is successful is all of you being faithful to God. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm striving for. That all of you will be faithful in your purpose and your calling in Jesus Christ. That's what I hope. Not that we get big. Not worried about that. Because Jesus never worried about that. And I'm trying to be like Jesus. To be faithful is to be faithful, as it's used in the text, to be faithful in duty to oneself and to others. So if you're thinking about being faithful, you're going to have to be faithful to God. But hear this. You're going to have to be faithful in what you do. The other day, I'm transparent. The other day, um, I got a call from my mother. And she was just telling me how she went up to see Sister Josephine Dad. And she's telling me about, you know, how the visit went and everything like that. And my response to her was, man, I didn't know we can go up and visit. I thought it was just family members. I said, well, apparently we can't just go. Apparently more than family members can go up because then I heard Sister Hydea went up. I'm like, oh, no, I got to go see my man. And so I went and I saw her dad and talked with him and hung out with him for a little bit. Why am I saying that? I am saying that to you to say there is no way as the pastor of this church that any one of you will be sick and I'm not either sick myself or out of town or doing something crazy that I am not going to be there to be by your bedside. I have to be faithful to my calling. And I've been telling you this for a long time. We're not faithful in serving others because we're serving others. We're serving the Lord I don't want him to say, what did you do with what I gave you, Wayne? I don't want him to say that to me. So whatever I am supposed to do that he has entrusted me to do, I need to do it. I need to do it. But I'm saying that to you to hopefully say, I hope I'm a decent enough example to you that you will realize that you got to be faithful too. That's what I'm hoping it's very important that we realize our faithfulness to God. When you're faithful to God, it shows up in church. When you're faithful to God, it shows up in how you treat others. When you're faithful to God, it shows up in so many different ways. And I told you, I live this. Sister Jackson probably can co-sign it, but I don't want to hear from her. Brother Henry probably can co-sign this, but I don't want to hear from him. Sister Sylvia can probably co-sign it. Mama Allen, sir, a lot of y'all can co-sign but I don't want to hear it. But what I will tell you is this. There was a time in my ministry that people thought my faithfulness was to the man of God and not to God. Yeah, people thought, man. He do anything. He run over here, run over there for the man of God. But they never stopped to say, maybe a couple people did say that. I don't know. Nobody gave me credit, Cal, to say I was being faithful to Jesus, but 
being faithful to the man of God was a result, a byproduct of being faithful to Jesus. I don't know if nobody wanted to think that. Well, I'm telling you tonight, so you will understand that because you cannot be faithful to the Lord and not show it in how you treat others. It's impossible. So if you're trying to pull that off, you need to rethink that. You need to rethink that. You cannot ever say you're faithful unto the Lord and it's not showing up in how you treat others. That river mentality and lake mentality is close, but it's not the same. And what I mean by that is it's hard to treat people how you're supposed to treat them if you're never in their presence. (laughs) I've learned some things, church. I'm not just standing here just because. God is not crazy. I've learned some things. And if I say I am faithful to God, I'm going to end up having to demonstrate that in how I treat you. But if I'm never around you, how will I ever show it? If I'm always by myself, how do I demonstrate my faithfulness to God in how I treat you if I stay to myself and I'm never around you? We allowed certain conversation to get us twisted and take us in wrong directions when really all it comes down to, I don't care what anybody is saying. I am trying to be faithful to Jesus. That should be our mentality. I am just trying to be faithful to Jesus. I don't care what you think about me. I am just trying to be faithful to Jesus. And that will mean I'm going to show up in the house of God, in his house, because it ain't our house. I'm going to show up in his house and treat his people the way I need to treat them, because that's showing him that I'm faithful. How I treat you, how you treat me, will result in are we faithful. It demonstrates faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4 and 1, let no man, let no, let a man so count of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the ministry of, I'm sorry, the the mysteries of God. Verse 2 says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found That is going to be where the rubber meets the road. Have we been faithful to God? Because I've read in my Bible when he says, well done, he says right after that, good and faithful. Good and faithful. And now I'm reading that if I'm a steward, which I must tell you, a steward means you're just a manager or supervisor over something. You don't own it. And I can tell you right now, none of us own anything. (laughs) It's interesting. I can say, I've said this before. I can say that I own my house. And if I die today, what am I going to do with it? So do we really own anything? That's why Job says, naked I came into this world. Naked I go out. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. So it's best for us to just realize that we don't have anything. We don't own anything. Everything that's in our
our control, they are supposed to be managed. They're supposed to be supervised. And that's what determines if we're faithful to God or not. Because everything he entrusts us with is part of us demonstrating faithfulness to him. Everything, everything, everything. We're supposed to be faithful. Paul explained the image of the Lord's steward. A steward is a servant who manages everything for his master, but who himself owns nothing. If we will treat everything that we have in our possession as, I'm just a good steward. I don't own this. I think we'll do good. Check this out. Joseph was a chief steward in Potiphar's household. The church is the household of faith, and the saints of God are stewards who share the Lord's wealth among the family. So all of us, the Lord used us to help share his wealth among the family. We're stewards. We don't own anything. We're just, you know, managing God's stuff according to his will. The responsibility of the steward is to be faithful to his master. That's what determines if we make it in, if we're faithful to our master. A steward may not please the members of the household. He may not even please some of the other servants. But if he pleases his own master, he is a good steward. This is why it's okay that sometimes we don't see eye to eye and we don't get along uh, with each other because sometimes we don't understand that what we're each doing is to please the Lord and not to please you. And sometimes we want to get upset with each other because we think that because we're not doing something to please you that we're mad with you. No, 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 no. I can do something contrary to what you like and that doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means what I think I'm doing is pleasing the Lord, and that might not be what's pleasing you at the moment. Where am I at? 828? In Luke 12, all right, let me finish up. In Luke 12, 42, the word of the Lord says, and the Lord says, who then is the faithful and wise steward? Whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth, I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But, and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to beat the manservant and maidservant and to eat and drink and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in sunder and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. If we are not faithful, we get the same reward as the unbelievers. We never stop to think what the unbeliever gets is a reward. Hmm. The unbeliever, the Lord gives them their reward as well. What, where they end up, they earned it. 
That's their reward. They earned it. If a servant of God is faithful in his personal life, in his home life, and in his ministry in the kingdom of God, then he is a good steward and will be adequately rewarded by his master. I threw this last scripture in because I love it and I think it's just a great scripture to support what I'm telling you here tonight. Joshua 1 and 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest observe to do according to all faithful. All that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Faithfulness will bring you into good success. The target is faithfulness. Be faithful to God. And when you're faithful to God, you end up being faithful to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You end up being faithful to even people that are non-believers because you're being faithful to God. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, meaning God died for everybody. So if he was on a mission and he fulfilled it by coming to reach all, then guess what? We don't pick and choose who we reach. We just go ahead and try to reach them all. Let God and them worry about where they end up. Our target in living this Christian life is to be faithful. Somebody say faithful. Whatever the Lord has put into your heart to do, do it and be faithful in doing it. Yes. I said that. It's okay, it's water. Do it and be faithful in doing it. Whatever God's under shepherd instructs you to do, leads you to do, and is an example to you, do it. Remember I told you some years ago, I learned something, I learned a lot of things, but I learned something about that years ago. And I try to pass this on to especially young preachers. I try to pass it on to tell them, don't worry about what you think about the man of God if he's right or wrong. I try to pass it on to young people. It's hard to get through because they don't, it, that's a hard pill to swallow that I say, don't worry about what you think if the man of God is right, wrong, or indifferent. Just follow his instructions. I said, because God rewards you for your faithfulness, not if the man of God is right or wrong. I learned that a long time ago. I learned that a long time ago, and all you do is compound your problems. When you sit there, you say, I hear you, Pastor, but I think you're kind of off on that one, so I'm not touching that. When you sit there and you think that in your mind and you don't do it, you compound your problems. Because you don't understand that God is a just God. And if God says submit and you submit even when it's wrong, God got to look you out. Because you're under God's authority when you do that. You're not under nobody's authority. You're under God's authority when you decide to submit under the authority of the man of God. You are under God's authority, not the man. 
Yeah, actuality, no, but it's really God. So God rewards you because you are obeying his word. And most people have a problem with that because they think, I don't have to listen to everything. He a man just like me. True. But one thing I do know, because I've lived it myself, so I'm not guessing. I have lived it because my pastor is not perfect. And so everything he told me wasn't, wasn't, wasn't always right. But because I listen and do it, God has blessed me. I've heard people say, you crazy doing all that. I ain't doing that. Pastor can tell you all that stuff you want. That's him. I ain't doing all that. I said, I hear you. I did what he said. Not because I thought he was always right, but because I wanted to obey God. That's the lesson that we need to learn as saints of God. Don't size up the man of God and determine what you think uh, about him. Don't do it. You put yourself in trouble. Don't do it. Look at what God is saying to you and be faithful in those instructions. Let's stand. Know your target. What's your target? Got it. Okay. We know what our target is. That's our target. That's what he's going to ask us. Were we faithful? And if we said, whether we say it verbally or in our actions, if we can't prove that we were doing, as the scripture says, he found us doing when he came, then we weren't being faithful. And what's the opposite of faithfulness? Slothfulness. So if you're not faithful, you're being slothful. And that will give you a reward of the unbeliever. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Help us to massage this word into our heart and to ponder it, Lord, to, to, to concentrate on it, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you will help me to rightly divide the word of truth with accuracy, with pinpoint accuracy, Lord God, with consistency, Lord. Oh, God, help me to speak your word with clarity. And, oh, God, I pray that as we hear the word of God, we will hear it with understanding. We will hear it in a way where we can apply it to our life. Uh, oh, my God, that we will hear the word of God where it will just travel us until we begin to live it. Let the word of God overshadow us until we live it out, Lord God. Let the word of God take control over us that we may live it out, Lord God. Uh, oh, God, have your way tonight in this place. Have your way in our heart that individually, Lord God, we will connect with you. Individually, Lord, we will hold on to you and be faithful to you, Lord God. Open up our understanding, oh great God, that we understand what it is to be faithful to our God. Lord, you said that you came to do the will of the Father. And oh God, help us to understand how to do the will of the Father. That Lord, we can be just like you to say, well done. Oh yes, thou good and faithful servant. That when we die, when we leave the 
hath life in the earth, uh, Lord, we can say it is finished. And we would have completed and fulfilled the will of God. Oh, oh, Father, help us to grow from your word tonight. That this word will not just be a good lesson, Lord God, but this word, Lord Jesus, will constrain us and overtake us. And, oh, God, be in us like we've never had a word in us, Lord. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be faithful. And as we move toward this new year, that we will be faithful in all our doings, in all our ways, in living for you, in serving you, that we will be faithful, 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 oh great God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, that we may hear your words that says, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, that those words will echo in our heart and our mind. Well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, somebody, are you feeling like I'm feeling tonight? Are you hearing what I'm hearing tonight? Are you holding on to what I'm holding on to tonight? In being faithful to God. Lord, I want to be more faithful to you. I want to be more faithful to you. I want to be more faithful to you. Oh, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, God, I pray that this church will grow in faithfulness. That this church, Lord God, will flow like a river mentality and not a lake mentality. Oh God, a river mentality, not a lake mentality. Oh God, a growth mentality and not a stagnated mentality. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, have your way in us, Lord. Purpose mentality and not just a wondering mentality. Oh God, have your way in this place. We give you the praise and the honor. There is none like you. There is none like you. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name, Lord. Bless your people. Strengthen them, Lord God. And allow them to walk in their purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your night.